Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Joker. Joker is the psychological thriller, or drama even, film uh, based on the DC Comics character of the same name. Joker is out now, so if you haven't watched the film yet but you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Directed by Todd Phillips, best known for comedy movies such as Road Trip, Old School and The Hangover Trilogy, Joker is a standalone film which tells the origin story of Batman's arch enemy and one of comic books' greatest villains. Joker is very much a character study with the performance by Joaquin Phoenix as Joker being the main drive for the film's narrative. Notable for being the first live-action Batman film to receive an R rating in the United States, the film has been a hot topic of controversy over concerns for its violent and disturbing content. Jason, you have the plot. Forever alone in a crowd, failed comedian Arthur Fleck seeks connection as he walks the streets of Gotham City in 1981. Arthur wears two masks, the one he paints for his day job as a clown and the guys he projects in a futile attempt to feel like he's part of the world around him. Isolated, bullied and disregarded by society, Fleck begins a slow descent into madness as he transforms into the chaotic mastermind known as the Joker. I was going to attempt to laugh, but I don't think I can do it. Not as good as Phoenix. Oscar-worthy laugh, I reckon. He does it. So well. This, oh, where do we start? It's hard, isn't it? <laughs> it you know, is hard. I, I thought this movie was going to be Joker in name only. and we, we would get the makeup, but I didn't think it would feel like an actual Joker movie. You know, we've got Joker in the comics, in animated movies. Yeah. We've had Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, all these live-action Jokers. And I didn't think this film was going to be that. When all was said and done, I think it very much is that and feels like a proper Joker film. It's like, it feels like a unique Joker, something we haven't sort of, like a new interpretation. Like, I'm not even going to play the comparing game with other Jokers because it is its own, it's his own character, his own type of Joker that Joaquin Phoenix has given us here, that Todd Phillips and everyone involved has given us. But at the same time, it yeah, it feels like Joker. And at the end of the movie, I'm not questioning whether that's the Joker, whether that's the guy that goes up against Batman, you know, sometime down the line. It's all there. We're in Gotham City. The Waynes exist. There's that feeling and element of... The Batman world. Yeah, this very much is that world. And I didn't think it was going to feel like it. And I mean, we did get Thomas Wayne in the trailer. We've got young Bruce Wayne getting his face squished through the fence by Joker, or at the time, Arthur Fleck. You know, do we know that is that is actually a play on Affleck? Ben Affleck at the time was playing Batman. Arthur A. Fleck. Affleck. Wow. That's got to be intentional. The theories are coming in hot. (laughs) Arthur Fleck, that name did not exist until this movie. Joker has had other names like Jack Napier, Mm -hmm. which was the Jack Nicholson Joker. That's the only one I know. (laughs) I'm sure there's more though. I mean, there's an alias Red Hood. That's another one that was used <laughs> that in, count, in the Killing Joke, which was a Joker origin story. Mm. And there's a lot of influence from, I would say, that movie in particular. As a as a 
or the comic, I mean, as a Joker-based source stuff. You know, there's stuff with, like, the the stand-up, failed stand-up comedian stuff, the sort of overall tone, the violence, the idea of the, you know, one bad day cracking someone. And that's it. That has always been the Joker. For me, I've always felt that that is the Joker. The belief that one bad day could turn someone insane. Now, this movie spans more than one sort of day. It, it takes sort of a character... Well, who, it takes a lifetime. Yeah. Someone who's sort of undergoing so much sort of... So many bad things. Um, you know, whether it be like physical assault. Um, you know, just the, the, the poverty, I guess. Getting trod on by the world, society. Everyone seems to be against him. It's all those things sort of pushing this one character to that eventual bad day where he snaps. So it's drawn out a bit, but it makes it so real. And this is not a this is not a happy movie. No, it's not. And, and this is a movie that I'm going to say this now from the opening and I loved that 70s opening with the old Warner Brothers logo. Yeah. I loved all of that. The the but font of the titles and the from oh. the opening this movie had me gripped, start to finish. And you're right, it's not a happy, pleasant movie. It is downright disturbing, upsetting for a lot of the time. But, pretty miserable. <laughs> but we don't always go to cinema to be yep. uplifted. Like we go, you know, for different different reasons and you know the comparisons are there to Martin Scorsese, we've got Taxi Driver. Um other movies like Clockwork Orange, King of Comedy, another Scorsese movie, The Dark Knight, The Warriors. There's elements of those movies in this. They're not necessarily happy movies either. No. And that's where I guess, not to, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I, you know, like with all this controversy that's sort of going on with, you know, like, oh, this movie, you know, uh, celebrates violence and, you know, like people are going to turn to the streets and, you know, act out their their joker ways it's like there are movies way more violent and way more triggering i guess than this movie and some of those examples like scorsese's taxi driver you know a lot of the story beats and you know characteristics of that movie are in this movie and that came out what 30 40 years ago people weren't turned to the streets you know american psycho people weren't turning into serial killers after watching that it's just I don't know, I think overblown, ridiculous, and that's all I want to say about it, and never bring it up again. I didn't count the deaths, I read the number, but if it's right, Joker kills six people, the duration of this movie. Six people. If you look at a movie like John Wick, hundreds. But that's okay, because it's Keanu Reeves, he's looking (laughs) cool, and people don't seem to have a problem. It's like violence is only bad when it's really serious and if you look at the catalyst for violence loses his dog loses his mind (laughs) you know what i mean it blows my mind again it's like losing your mind is so much more realistic so many people are like yeah john wick's fine yeah it's great (laughs) but then with joker you've got to think and again you're right we don't spend too much time on this but you've got to think what happened uh, in the u.s when The Dark Knight was released, well, Dark Knight Rises, Joker. Oh, that's right, it was, wasn't well, it? Well, yeah, the, the incident, the shooting, that that's terrible right. thing that happened. Dark Knight Rises, but it was somebody dressed up as 
they were even dressed up as the Joker, but people come because it was close dressed up as a clown. To a clown, but it wasn't like the Joker makeup. Mm. But it, you're right, it was a clown. So you've got to think that in particular is playing on people's minds. Yeah. You don't have that association with the John Wick films. There are so maybe sh- that's there are what shit the big difference is. Sick people in the world, and that's a fact. But but I don't know. There was a kid in my audience. And I didn't know until the end, but the dad carried her out and she must have been maybe five. R-rated in the US, here in Australia, it's MA15, mm-hmm. which means if you're a responsible adult, you can take a child. <laughs> it's ridiculous. On that, though, like, I think if you took a child into this movie, depending on their age and, I guess, their mindset, yes, there is, like, you know, there is a bit of... There is violence in it. It's not anything worse than, the you know, the average weekend uh, bloody horror movie that comes out. But, I mean, you know, kids are desensitised now. They can handle violence. It's fine. But it's violence. It's language. It's... But I think I, I w- the, themes, is, the yeah. themes in this movie are very heavy. But I think all of that would go over a kid's head. They'd probably just be I, bored I the majority of the time. I don't think it'd go over the heads as much as, you, as you're saying. Depending on their age, of course. If they're, like, old enough to sort of understand and grasp the concepts, it might be way too heavy for them. But I agree completely with the fact that Kids will be bored in this movie. Like yeah, if, it is, it is not that kind of Batman even movie. Some adult, you know, like if you're expecting to go in, ah, oh, new comic book movie, the Joker, he's gonna, you know, chaos, explosions, he's gonna punch dudes and stuff. It's gonna be action packed. You're gonna be so disappointed. There's a, a cinema chain in the US, Alamo Draft House, and they put out a disclaimer. For this movie, you know, just for like a triggering to be aware, like a parental warning in brackets, this is not a joke. So, like, take <laughs> note of this Joker is R rated for good reason. There's lots of very, very rough language, brutal violence, and overall bad vibes. It's a gritty, dark, and realistic taxi driver esque depiction of one man's descent into madness. It's not for kids, and they won't like it anyway. There's no Batman. I mean, they summed it up brilliantly. <laughs> I like how they kind of threw in a synopsis there as well. So they are still sort of selling the movie. But that sounds good. That sounds really... Up- I like it. Yeah, we've got nothing like that here. I think the last warning I saw, and it was recent actually, for Rambo Last Blood. So here in Australia, if you look under the age of 25, you'll be asked to present ID. Because here it is R-rated or, what is it, 18 plus? 18, yeah. But yeah, but kids with a, with an adult can walk in and watch The Joker. This movie, it's it's a standalone. It's something that we, you know, we definitely 100%, no question, live in a world of uh, multi-film pictures, you know, uh, shared cinematic universes. This is a standalone film based on a DC Comics or characters, DC Comics characters. I think it's ballsy. The fact that they've done it, the fact they've done it, period, is that, Yeah, the fact that they've done it. They've gone out, but they've also gone to such a level that's made it, you know, as we mentioned, you know, the Martin Scorsese sort of influences. And he was involved in getting this made. To begin I with, think, he yeah. was going to be a executive producer. He did pull back, obviously left De Niro. <laughs> so we still get Robert <laughs> De Niro in this. And now he's bagging out uh, comic book movies. Oh, <laughs> well, Scorsese is not De Niro. Yes, yes. But you know what? Let's just just quickly. That was that was very unfair of Scorsese because he got set up. 
That's what that was. <laughs> yeah. Hook, line and sinker, they got him. And they wanted him to say something. He said something. He compared the Marvel Studios movies to theme park rides. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, okay, let's give him 30 seconds of our time just because he is such an influence here. I agree to what he's saying to an extent. It's like there's a difference between, you know, like thoughtful, thematic involving, you know, cinema film and then, you know, blockbuster entertainment, which is, a, you know, a lot of comic book movies do fall into blockbuster entertainment where you go, you have a good time and we can love them and enjoy them. But of course, there is a complete difference to the film standard that he's talking about. Um, but at the same time, he also said that he doesn't watch these movies. So he doesn't really have a fair opinion. And he's also <laughs> an old guy. <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not young. Uh, we still watch and talk about these movies and we do enjoy them. And, and he definitely has some amazing movies. Like, of course. He's, he's an old guy. Bloody Scorsese. He's got some phenomenal <laughs> movies, of course. But still an old guy. Yeah, we, we're, we're both looking forward to watching The Irishman, which looks great. Yeah. So he's still, In about three or four sittings. <laughs> yeah, well, it's three and a half hours. So he's still, it still looks like he's got more to give. But yeah, his back catalogue is so impressive. But with, with The Joker, he left as executive producer, but a lot of the people that he usually works with, he left them behind, saying these people can still work mm. on your That's film. why we get a lot of flavours of his and type of movie. Feel and De Niro is... Uh, the king know. of comedy. <laughs> well, he of- used to be <laughs> in that movie. But just some interesting figures here. So the Joker, it was made on a budget of $55 million. Opening weekend, 95 Already. Damn. Two million more than Justice League. Opening weekend. <laughs> I mean, uh, and it's the highest October opening film in history. Period. <laughs> like that's well, it. It's it's already made that. That's record. like every Halloween movie ever, and I mean like Halloween theme, not Michael Myers Halloween. I mean like October horror films. With all this success, all this talk in the media, I had a feeling this would happen. It doesn't mean we're necessarily going to get a sequel. But Phoenix and Phillips have officially discussed a follow-up. No, don't do it. Don't do it, guys. Leave it be. This film, for me, just needs to be this film. Yes. And just that yes. was the intent. They made it with with its they set out to only make this one this movie. Would be, and you're right. It is ballsy because that doesn't happen anymore. This would be the rare occasion where any sequel, any sort of movie attached to this would hurt the original, I think. And I know that's a stupid mindset to have. Even if they want to do more, it's like, oh, we can still enjoy this. For... No, it would ruin it. I I mean, how old would you say Fleck is? Would you say early to mid-30s, maybe late 30s? Like late 30s. Let's say late 30s. If we jump... Although his lifestyle and upbringing, maybe it's aged him a bit yeah, like maybe. physically. Or maybe but I'm thinking... everything's in his head and he's... Maybe that's a theory for another. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a theory, a the theory for later on. The majority of the movie could be a memory that he's seeing from a different point of view. But let's say we're jumping forward 20 years in time. Would you want to see a 50-year-old, 50 to 60-year-old Joker being chased by Robert Pattinson Batman? I mean, I wouldn't. I don't want to see that at all. No. But if they are going to think, hang on, maybe we can like start something with this. I mean, Man of Steel 
when they made that movie, it wasn't to lead to Justice League. It was going to be a movie. And then they thought, well, let's shoehorn Batman in and have Batman be Superman. And then they started their world building there. It didn't start with Man of Steel, just like Joker. Anyway, speculation. <laughs> Anything could happen. But this movie on its own, I mean, we're nowhere near our rating yet. But it's a bloody masterpiece. <laughs> it is... <laughs> Well, I mean, I wonder what you're going to give this movie. I'm being serious though. It's hard not to say it because without properly like talking, discussing just this one movie and the experience of this movie and the performance that Joaquin Phoenix is giving as Fleck when he's just Arthur and when he becomes the Joker is absolutely phenomenal. He is mesmerizing whenever he's on screen. There's so much going on and like fed. And he is on screen for the majority. I think there's like literally one, there's probably like one shot where he's not on screen and that's when the Waynes are being killed. He's just not in that scene. And Honestly, he's in I every other scene of the movie. Did not think we would once again, <laughs> in a movie, see the death of the Waynes. But we see it here, but I thought it was brilliant. As I was watching the movie, I was like... Nah, yeah, they're gonna do it. At, they're gonna do it at the end. I'm like, yeah, it'll happen. I saw it coming. I mean, Zorro <laughs> is on the marquee. You think, hang on, <laughs> this is gonna be the way. Well, it's time. Yeah, it's what was the movie called? It was it was the 1981 Zorro film. It was like that, Zorro's big gay. Day yeah, out something, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Gay was in the title. I don't, yeah, I don't know I if it was big gay now, but he definitely had that in the title. Oh, anyway. Let's 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 get back to everything jokerish about this. It's an alternate origin story to him, an Elseworlds tale, as they I guess the kids call it. Used to. Used to call it. That's what DC used to call <laughs> like standalone or alternative takes yeah. on stories that you know and love. Well, like, they call them now just one shots. <laughs> no, now well they've got DC Black Label is very much the thing now. So I, I mean I could see. What I'd like is not for a sequel to Joker, but have them to have a black label film division where they can make these $50 street level R-rated gritty movies, you know, and make it under under that banner. So yeah, the DC black label is where you get the different types of stories now that are outside of continuity. But it, it does feel like Elseworlds. So the origin of the Joker, he doesn't really have one um in the world of the comics he's had well he has multiple sometimes multiple choice um were you okay with the fact that they went well here we go this is his origin or at least in this at the same time i mean this is the thing right because i thought going in that's what they're saying they're saying okay so here's the movie joker and this is before watching it and it's the origin origin of the joker arthur fleck that's who he was he lived with his mother, you know, and then as we're watching the movie, you're finding out or you're told that he's the son of Thomas Wayne and you're like, hold the phone. Joker's Batman's brother. What's going on? But you're just going with it and you're just going with it. And this movie, like it's early on, you see the Joker in a cell or in a padded room, white walls. And when we get to the end, it's there as well. And what took me by surprise with this movie I said it earlier on. He is the Joker. Like it's not this is it's not. Oh, this is like a a different take on the Joker. When we get to the end, and he's 
basically, we find out that he is telling the story of this movie. Whether it's the Todd Phillips Joker movie or any other version of the Joker that we've seen in the comics, on TV, in film, what we know of the character, he is a unreliable narrator. Mm. Even in his own mind, which this movie puts forward, is that... The first clue watching this, and I thought he was just sort of like just fantasising, but when you got to see him interact with... Robert De Niro's character, and he's in the audience. Yeah, and it's all going good, and he's like, he gets called down to stage, and he hugs him, and he's celebrated, and... But then it cuts back to him in the room, so you're like, oh, okay, so maybe that was just a one-off. Maybe the movie's not doing more than that. But then we find out with the neighbour, who's got the kid... Oh, everything with Zazzy Beats is, uh... But then, as I'm watching it, I'm looking and noticing that, because of that cutaway with De Niro, I'm watching it. And she's not interacting with anybody else other than him whenever she's on screen. So I thought, is that something? So when they did reveal it, it's sort of like it was a little theory that I had well, running after, in my head. After his first, like, sort of the first time he kills and he, he knocks on her door and then he just kisses her and then suddenly it's like, oh, they're dating now. Yeah, it was I was very I mean, quick. I was pushed back because I was like, I was like, okay, well, that's probably the most unrealistic thing I've seen in this movie so far, and I, it didn't sit well. But it all paid off because it was then, like, huh, she's, yeah, it was all fantasy in his head. But again, he's at the end and he's with the psychiatrist and she's looking at him and then you don't see her again when he leaves the room, but he's saying that it's a joke. You wouldn't get it anyway. And he leaves and he's got the bloody footprints. So potentially the movie we've just watched never happened. That story never happened. Maybe it did. Maybe, Maybe it didn't. didn't. Maybe there's elements that happened. But I loved that as an ending. A lot of people have accused director Todd Phillips of copping out. Like saying you've set up this original story and then at the last minute he's chickened out. I don't think that's the case at all. No. And again, it adds to this being more of a DC Comics Joker movie than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and it pushes... You know, that the whole fact that this needs to be a standalone because, you know, if you, you say something like, oh, it was setting something up and then he bailed from it, it's like, well, no, there's, there is no setup because there's nothing after. Well, like, there, there is, but there's nothing, there's no other film after. It's just but what... we already know what comes after. Exactly. That's what I love about it. So, yeah, like, so it's we like know we, the future yeah, sort of like thing. Yeah, like, we don't, we don't need it. It's like, you know... We're, Different versions of Batman, whether it's film or TV, like they recently wrapped up Gotham. It ran for five years and it stops at the point where we know all that. Everything that comes after, we know we know mm. Batman. So I like the fact that they've gone back and they're telling an area of a story that we're not too familiar with. But then, but even again, then it's, it's sort like, of like yeah. maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Maybe Joker, I mean, he knew. Or in his version, like, why would he make reference to the Waynes being killed? But then I guess Thomas Wayne was a big presence in the city anyway, wasn't he? No, like, it would have been news. He would have known at some point. You know, Batman and Joker, like, the whole thing, although an accident, in the comics, Batman did create the Joker. That's what happened. It was Ace Chemicals. He tried to save it at the last minute, but Joker fell into... And this is when he was the Red Hood in Killing Joke. He fell into the acid... And that's where he got the green hair and the white skin. But in the 89 Nicholson Batman film, 
Yeah, it happens there too. Yeah, well, that happens there too. That's, that's but on top origin. of that, it's it's double folded because Jack Napier is the one who shoots the Waynes. So he, in turn, creates Batman. So with that, this movie very much has that in common. Mm. Because Indirectly, though. Joke, still... yeah, Joker doesn't pull the trigger, but he sets off the movement where people are dressing up as clowns and one clown, and maybe that one clown still has the name Joe Chill. Who knows? But that clown kills the Waynes yeah. and leaves Bruce alive. Now, you say like this, you know, like this is very, like this does feel like DC's Joker and DC's, you know, the Waynes in Gotham City. I agree with all that, but at the same time, I feel like the the most this movie becomes a comic book movie, and I mean that in the traditional sense, is little Bruce Wayne looking over his dead parents. I'm like, ah, oh, this feels like a comic book panel, and that's the only shot in the movie that feels like that, because the rest of the movie just feels like something else and in in a good way it just feels like its own thing it feels like a film that just happens to be about the joker i agree if i outside of and that's not a that's not a a dig at that scene or dig at the movie in any way like that is full-on praise what i will say if you're a diehard dc comics fan and you want your joker to be joker you're going to go into this movie you're going to be bored (laughs) <laughs> for almost two hours, and maybe the last ten, at a push, fifteen minutes, you're gonna find something to like, because that for me is when it's the most comic book and is the Joker, and that paired with the young Bruce Wayne scene. But everything up until that, it's like you're watching a film. Like this is. But even that, like you know, that sounds like, you know, like that sounds like a bad thing. You know, like a lot of movies have sort of done that, where it's like. Oh, you know, we've got this character, and then, oh, he doesn't become that thing until, you know, the last five minutes, and then it's like, oh, well, that's just disappointing because we only got it for, the, you know, the last second. The payoff works in that's this. That's this, but it's, it's not the point. Like, that's not a bad thing. It's not sometimes like a slow burn. It's the burn. journey, man. It's it is. The journey. This movie very much is a slow burn, a slow acceleration, but when it hits that high, it nails it. And what the Arthur Fleck character is doing, and what uh, working Finks is doing with, with his portrayal. It's like, yeah, at the start of the movie, like you're sympathising with this character and you're feeling dirty for sympathising with him. He's shooting people cold blood and you're like, I kind of am rooting for him here. It's like, but the yeah. guys but on then, the subway, that was self-defence to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me finish. I'm not <laughs> saying that violence is okay. No, but that's the thing. Like You're sympathising with him and you you find yourself rooting for him, but then at the same time you're like, oh, you can see in his eyes like there's an evil behind and it's growing and it's coming forward slowly. It doesn't just click, you know, like, and then, oh, look, I'm crazy now. It's, it's just this gradual thing and that momentum builds slowly and it's so powerful and you find yourself actually wanting him not to turn into the Joker. At least I was anyway. I was like, I was like, oh, you know, you're rooting for him. It's like, don't, like, you don't want him because you're sympathizing, sympathizing with him so much. You're just falling for this character. Like, you just want him to be okay. And that's how real it is. But then when shit hits the fan, you're just like, well, here we go. Honestly, <laughs> here the, he is, the I, Joker. I can't say it enough. Like, Joaquin Phoenix in this, the performance, it's phenomenal. The laugh, man. And, the, you know, the... It's a, it's a great laugh. And I never thought of his laugh being, like, a, a mental 
sort of condition thing where this is the first time. I like it. Like it's like a like a nervous tick. Yeah. Yeah. And it sort of it, it works. It almost fits with every other time you see you do see the Joker sort of just laughing uncontrollably at the most inappropriate moments. It's like, oh, maybe he can't help it. I mean there's moments when I was watching, you know, when he wasn't able to turn that off and you know, he's very downbeat in this movie before you know, he gets to the point where he puts a bullet in De Niro's head, which, that shocked me. But before he's doing that in his full Joker, you do feel sorry for him. And then I'm thinking, it's quite harsh. Like, Batman repeatedly just hitting him in the head. <laughs> like, just, like, <laughs> just attacking him. Like You're just making it worse, man. isn't a fighter. <laughs> Even in the comics, like, the Joker isn't a fighter. Batman is. It's like a master. And he's got all his weapons. Yeah. They're not guns, but they hurt. So when you do see those times where, whether it be the panels of a comic or you know, you know a movie or whatever, where Batman's just beating him. But that laugh, yeah, that, was, that was a really good touch. You know, and the guy, you know, at, at the place where he works, did set him up. He gave him the gun. That's the one that he used on the subway. Or did he? And then, <laughs> oh, I mean, that is a good point. All the, I mean, there's Maybe a lot there's of things you other, can question. But then he does let the dwarf go. Because that's saying, out of everybody, yeah. you're the only one that never gave me a hard Actually, time. I am, I am just sort of playing around there with, with these things where it's like, oh, did he give him... Like, I think what we did see, like, happened at least in 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 terms of the, the, the narrative that we got in the story. I think the movie does explain when... It does. When it things does. doesn't happen. So all the Zazzy bit, you know, his neighbour, that... Didn't happen. And then the movie shows us and tells us that. So I think, yeah, he did receive the gun and His all mom that. screwed him over. He was adopted. Yeah, Not the was son he? No. of Thomas Wayne. No, I mean, because I think you're right. They did go back and... But then again, like, after the fact, Todd Phillips has come out and he's given quite a lot of interviews yeah, where, regarding this is movie. Is he just like, well, no, I, I do think he's having a bit of a laugh. I think so. Do you know what I mean? I think he's a bit free and loose and he'll say one thing and everyone's jumping on it. I think we... Yeah, all theories aside, to, let's just talk about what we saw. Yeah, they wanted to kind of leave it open at the end where it's open to, to interpretation where I think it's a case of, you know, maybe it didn't happen the way that we've seen, but he's not looking for people to go back and cherry pick particular scenes. Maybe hmm. that wasn't, maybe this was. I think broadly you're supposed to doubt the whole film. If we saw, like, you know, like the sign that the kids, like, broke and stuff, if we saw the sign, like, in his apartment, all good and stuff. <laughs> I think maybe then we can start questioning these things. It's like watching but until then, I don't know. The Dark Knight, and he's like, "Do you want to know how we how I got these scars?" And the Joker starts telling this story. The first time I watched that movie, straight away I'm like, "Oh no, don't!" And then he told the story again, but it was different. Mm. And that's what I like: multiple choice. You cannot trust the Joker. Well, this this whole movie could be one choice, and then another interpretation of his origins could be another choice. So you still have your multiple choice either way. Yeah. Like, meta. Arthur Fleck could have been based on Affleck. <laughs> Who knows? That's more Deadpool than Joker, though, isn't it? It's getting weird. Um, yeah, but his mum. So, did you... Were you freaking out when there was the whole, like... You know, you you were the son of Thomas Wayne? Well, I, I wasn't freaking out. I was like, oh, well, this, well, this is certainly a different take. Mm. There is a comic. I know there's one comic where that was. It was like a one-off sort of story, and it was contained to that. Okay, I've not come across. That I can't remember board, what it was called, but it did exist at so some this, point. So I'm not familiar with that comic. So this idea was new to me, and 
and I, again, I think he was like, a fully fledged Wayne though, and right, it was sort okay. of. But I was just thought he died. I don't know. Along for the ride. Yeah. Again, like when I set off to watch this movie, and I was really looking forward to watching it. I watched it opening night. I didn't think it was going to be as close to the source material as it ended up being. You thought it was going to having, be way out there. Having having him being the unreliable narrator at the end just clicked for me. I thought, right, okay. So maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Any sort of issues you may have had along the way? All gone. But they weren't issues, though. Yeah. Like, so I liked that choice at the end, but if that not if that hadn't have been there, I was like it anyway. That was, again, grit. Mm from the beginning of this movie and I was just completely along for the uncomfortable ride. <laughs> Very <laughs> uncomfortable. Watching it. So, yeah, so when they're saying that, okay, so you know Penny, she had an affair with Thomas Wayne and he's the illegitimate son. Again, this movie's a one and done. Sure, why not? Even the fact that, you know, we've got um, Thomas Wayne is played by Brett Cullen. That was me trying to find notes. and was... <laughs> He... Is probably the most unlikable Thomas Wayne I've ever seen on screen. You know, he's a very different, unsympathetic, little bit of a dick. But I think that's okay. Again, because it's like this is a standalone. It's just within this realm. It's and all from his perspective as that's well. That's it, yeah. <laughs> well. if it, you know, yeah, you can fall back on that and say, yeah, whatever. Ordinarily, though, Thomas Wayne does not have much screen time. Jeffrey Dean Morgan <laughs> in the Zack Snyder films... He gets quite a bit of screen time in the Pennyworth TV series. He's in that. Okay, sure. And, you know, the Probably opening the Batman, of Batman Begins. Batman Begins, he's in it quite a bit. He's on the train and he's sort of, you know, like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll ride the train with the people. And it's like... I think maybe that Bruce Wayne... No. <laughs> that Thomas Wayne, even. And the Thomas Wayne in Joker may be similar. In fact, you know what? The Joker and Thomas Wayne different. gets more screen time. No, I was thinking oh, he's time got the most screen time. It's going to mm. be the, the Joker one. Sure. I think, like, with this movie and the story that they're, you know, they're telling here, it's like, yeah, Tom Quinn does need to be a little bit of a dick just so he can get his comeuppance, I guess, like, at the end. But then it sort of does take, you know, it kind of gives you a little bit of... Oh, but then he's saying maybe the Wayne's Maybe the Waynes deserve to die. No, man. This guy, no. Fleck, approached Bruce at the home. Mm. See, do you know what I mean? Like, he's already... Oh, you're right. Yeah. He's hanging around his son. He touched like, his son. And now he's in the toilet with him. Yeah, exactly. It's in the bathroom, and inappropriately, Fleck approaches him, mm. and then he won't, he won't leave, and he won't leave over and over, and then he's sprouting this story, which you know Thomas is like, this is not true, and he's already annoyed about him going near his son, and then yeah, hits him. I mean, yes, well deserved, absolutely. So I don't think Thomas Wayne's necessarily a dick, and he's got a lot going on because. Gotham is in the shits. <laughs> like, you know, it is not a nice place. And he's running for mayor. He's looking to change things up. But we're led to believe that he cheated on Martha. Yeah. But then we're like, hang on. Maybe, or not maybe, Penny and Thomas never had a fling. Never. And I think, yeah, no. I, mean, and I so think he, that's So Thomas line. Wayne certainly is painted in a negative light but then when you look back on it when you get the big reveal maybe it's, it's like not he's not as, really nah like he's as we initially girl. thought just a dad looking out for his son and his city Murray Franklin oh yes great <laughs> you know I keep referring to 
the De Niro character. That's him. Murray yeah. Franklin. With the, with the... Is it the Murray Show? The, the Murray Show. Uh, yeah, the, the Murray Mar- Show. Honestly, De Niro is very good in this. I would have thought... Now, this is... Maybe it's cynical. I would have thought he would have come in, been like, oh, that's it. I'm finally in a, in a comic book movie. I'm just going to phone it in. But I he doesn't. Think, yeah, I mean, this is his he first doesn't. comic book movie. I don't think it's something he necessarily wanted to do. Maybe we said the Scorsese connection to begin with. And then he had already signed. <laughs> but he's... No, he, he's giving one of his best performances of recent times. He feels and seems like a talk show host. It seems very fitting of the time setting, um, you know, the early 80s and stuff. Like He does this thing with his mouth when he first comes out and greets people, waves his arms, and I don't know, there's just... There's something that he's adding... Like There's different layers to this character. It's a really good De Niro performance. It's, it's weird. It's so bizarre. And it's only because, like, you know, De Niro... He's always been a world-class actor. But he's made some shit recently. <laughs> and even before recently, movies like, what was it, Rocky and Bullwinkle? Like, he's popped up in some <laughs> oh, corkers. Man. And then he went through yeah. a horror phase with Hide and Seek, Godsend. But this is a good thing. Oh, Hide and Seek was all right, eh? It was okay. <laughs> but it's still, like, not to the high standard that we've known De Niro to do over mm. the years. But this is a good performance. Mark Marlin, he's in here as well. He's his offsider that's feeding him oh, information. Oh, yes, yes. The producer of the... Yeah. 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 I was like, who? Not sure on the um, character name, but Marlon has got a... The Murray Show producer. ...podcast, and he's on Glow, and he's good in this. He's good in this. Did you did you recognise Coach from Goldberg's in this? Yeah, one of the co-workers. He's one, one of the clowns. He's one of the clowns, one that sat down in front of the mirror getting himself ready. That There's was weird. A... <laughs> so that was... Uh, Brian Kellen, yeah? That's him. That's yeah. the one. Uh, we've also got Glenn Fletcher is one of the co-workers, and Lee Gill is Gary, the... I think he's the dwarf guy. Now, that scene... I think he's the dwarf one. I thought that he'd, he'd generally been set up by him putting the lock on the door, and that he purposely intended, <laughs> yeah. like, he was going to, like, he was going to terrorise I mean, him before killing him. That whole scene was set Hammer up... Hammer to the head, to yeah. ...to apply that, and it was just like... Yeah, you can leave. I can't get out. Let me get that for you. Boom! And you know what? John Wick uses hammers. Everybody's okay with that. But oh. Joker takes one hammer to one head. People lose their minds. <laughs> but I think, I don't know if it was Todd Phillips or someone making this movie was just like, guys, we need a break. We just need a moment to just breathe. And it's a nice moment. It sort of shows that Arthur has at least somewhat of a code, you know, like... He says to Gary, he's like, you're the only one that was nice yeah. to me. <laughs> Kisses him on the head. It's a little bit kid. <laughs> yeah, I know. Kind of it's funny. It's a bit weird, A little bit it? crazy. But it just fits with the character. You know, uh, with his makeup, just pure white. Like, oh, and, but it's, yeah, he, he has somewhat of a code. Honestly. And it humanised him. Yeah. It I pulled remember, him back in and was like, he's still a human. He's effed up, but he's still a human. I read that Phoenix learned how to apply his own clown makeup. And that does that include the tongue thing? I'd say so because that's just, that's the moment that in particular. Thing? As I'm watching, I guess it's that thin the paint or whatever. But as I'm watching him apply it in the movie, like I had that knowledge that the actor had gone to the le- gone to the effort of learning how to apply it as a professional clown would. So just knowing that he'd gone to that next level or next step, and it's in the movie, it's just this movie just feels 
quality. And again, like if we look at the budget, just hopefully this can show Hollywood that you don't need hundreds of millions of dollars to make the best movie. Although we do still enjoy those. Don't stop of... making them. <laughs> But give us more give us some of these smaller movies where they couldn't make this movie if it was going to be a $250 million movie because <laughs> it's too much of a risk. But I mean, on that, it's like these movies do exist. There's a lot of movies to this quality, to this standard that are out there, made for similar budgets, but aren't pulling in you know, the box office. And because, they're disappearing because from they the don't cinema. have a name like. The Joker or no. Batman attached to it or DC Comics. But or... these types of movies, I mean, The Irishman, although getting a limited theatrical run, it's essentially Netflix. And that's where movies of this size, unless something changes, they're just going to go to the streaming service. Because where... it's like the cinema, like the movie That's where complex you watch your big movies. But... Is where you watch the blockbusters. But this is not a big, flashy action movie, but I do feel as though I benefited from seeing it on the big screen. Yeah, like... Hopefully this can change things. There's another actor that I just want to mention, Brian Tyree Henry. He's a guy that's having a bit of a bit of a minute. We last <laughs> saw him in Child's Play. Yeah. And he's popping up in quite a few places. He, he was in... He's in... Um, the Donald Glover show, Atlanta. Atlanta with Zazie Beats. That, I think, is where he started making his name. And mm. since then, he's popping up in, in different movies. Yeah, even a tiny role, but I mean, as soon as he popped up, I was like... Hey, there he is. All right. Hello. But funny little moment. like with the... Yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah, and then Joey just takes the file. And just runs off. Yeah, but it was it was a good scene for him like as an actor because he's flicking through the file and he's like, oh, are you are you the son? Mm. No, you, can't, you can't have this. <laughs> you can't have this file. Tiny scene. lot to work with there. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a good scene. Sort of concerned. Like, it was a good scene. Are... Honestly, no matter what we talk about in this movie, I keep going back to Joaquin Phoenix. He is... So good in this. <laughs> it's just all of it. It can be, you know, you can feel sorry for him. Mm. It can be menacing, terrifying. He's clumsy. He's falling over. He's it's a bloody performance. And he's half. getting in the fridge. Yeah, he's getting in the fridge. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> yeah, man. He's just that is that is the the epitome of the the scent of madness. But and empty like, and get in the fridge. No matter what choice he makes, whether it's kissing Gary on the head, getting in the fridge, no matter what choice Phoenix is making as this character, I'm just, I'm buying all of it's it. It's just so good. Because you're not, you're, at no point, like even when he, he fully becomes the Joker, he's got the outfit, he wants to be introduced as Joker, and I like where the name came from. Murray referred to him as being a Joker, like when he showed his clip on his show. Mm. So when you introduce me, Bring, you know, call, you know, introduce me as Joker. It's like, sure, yeah, whatever. So when he goes like full Joker, he's got the makeup and everything, you don't suddenly feel like you're watching a different film. I still feel like it's part of yes. that piece. And when he goes full Joker, it's not like Phoenix is then playing a different character. Joker's always been there under the surface. He's just doing, like, and he is doing very different stuff. Subtle yet dramatic at the same time of, of a shift of, of character, but like you said, still very much the same character. Like, you know, like when he's, I think, yeah, like when, when he becomes like fully fledged Joker, he's, he, you know, he's dancing. When he's pretty much just accepting the fact that, okay, let the crazy come, 
He'll dance, even if it's slow or fast. That's where he'll go into his into his you know space. I just it's look, all there. It's just it's different, but it's the same. It's crazy, man. The steps. Let's talk about the steps for a moment. <laughs> Beginning of the movie, those long, tall steps. The climb home from work back to his mum's apartment, and then he's slowly climbing up over and over every day, whatever. And then when he's become the Joker, those same steps, he's dancing. And it's like he's alive. He's fully become who he's supposed to be. I mean, he's going down the steps at that point. Well, he's spiralling into madness, isn't he? Mm, Yeah. So is that that like a thematic thing? And then the cops are at the top and chasing him. It's just... I like the fact that it was clearly him. (laughs) They knew. (laughs) And they're tiptoeing around it. But it's the 70s. I do think the decade... It definitely benefited this story, mm. but like, there's limitations. That there's like no security footage. Be, exactly, no mobiles. Yeah, there's no cameras on the subway. There's, you know, the that's pretty the much it. The, all the cops, <laughs> but they don't have the the technology that they have today. They don't have bloody there's satellites, no mobile phones, mm. so they they can't track him. All of that stuff and the smoking. Yeah, man. There's so much smoking. I mean, it's primarily Joker. Well, even when he was Arthur, but he's smoking so much in this. Ain't gonna get that in a Disney movie. I'll tell you that right now. But you, <laughs> but I think if you made Joker as a modern day movie, this same movie set today, it would just seem out of place for me. Seeing this main character smoke so much because in the world today, although there's designated areas, you don't see it as much as you used to. It's funny, like the character would become sort of like, well, that's a bit gross. Like even if in set today, doing the exact same thing, the character like, oh, would be gross. dated. But you put him in that seventies setting, the taxi driver esque cigarette attached to his mouth fits. It just you know, him holding it or being next to him. And it's like, yeah, it's part of the setting. It's part of his, you know, his room. But Bill Camp and Shea Wingham. The two detectives, when they get pretty much, like, torn to shreds on the subway, a little bit confronting. Very enjoyable, though. Those cops got their comeuppance. Uh, they didn't deserve it, but, you know. Of course they didn't. They're, <laughs> they're just doing the job. <laughs> we have our protagonist <laughs> with them. Um, yeah. But, I mean, this movie, it goes into places, like, that are just so... Real, you know, all the there's like the mental health stuff, um, questioning wealth and poverty, media, even entitlement. It's not about any one thing, you know, like he's against like social services, crime in general is obviously a thing. Like, there's so many elements, and it's like, what is this movie? What's the message of this movie? What's it trying to say? Everything is. There's an issue in everything, I guess. And just like, like, it's not one thing, yeah, just like the story, I guess. What is being said or what you see can be open to interpretation. I guess you can take away from what you want to take away from it. I do like that as a character, Joker wasn't trying to start a movement. No. Because of what happened on the subway, he was dressed as the clown. That's where the clown movement came from. But he didn't have any big agenda. It just kind of happened. Like There's things that he doesn't agree with, but he's not trying to the start of a new movement but even though like the movie doesn't really have an agenda either it's not saying one way or the other like at the start of the movie you know like Arthur's attacked by you know a group of young kids you know like youths um there are different colors as well you know like, I think there's like some blacks probably some Hispanic kids in there I don't know there's a whole mix but then later on you know like there's a confrontation with like the wealthy adult white men so it's not saying oh we hate white men it's not saying we hate you know like black kids or whatever it's 
everyone. Well, although imaginary, <laughs> he has a black girlfriend. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, like I'm not saying the movie there. There is a, a sort of racing, but I'm saying that. Yeah, the movie just it's it's all it's everything, and in a good way, I guess. Like it's just well, because of that though. Like a lot of people are reading into what they want to read into, and that's what we're getting a lot of. But I mean, there's in the media. At the there's nothing. There's nothing to read into. It's just. I mean, it, it, the movie provokes questions and asks these questions with answers that are not easy to find. But if you really step back, it's like, what are the questions really being asked? And it's like, there's probably too many to even comprehend. Like, it's just... There's a bit that stuck out to me with the um, the counsellor in the beginning. You know, he's going to see her each week. He needs to see her so he can get signed off on his meds. And that's why he's going to see her. She wants him to keep a journal... And he's, you know, he's starting to write jokes down. But then, you know, I think the second, I think it's the second time that he sees her, maybe the third. And he's saying that, you know, I come in here and you just ask me the same questions over and over. How are you? And you're just going around in circles. Yeah. And he's like, but what you don't understand is like, I'm always having bad thoughts. Like always. So it's kind of like, even though there's support in place for this character, it's just like ticking a box. It's not really there to help him. She turns up, he sees her, he'll get his medication. But Next. <laughs> there's no other way that she's able to help him. Yeah. Yeah, I just found that I was... guess I guess it's all about, you know, like uh, not to put too big a hat on it, but it's like, you know, like what systems are in place and what are we doing as people? Like who are we failing really where we can lead to someone like this, I guess, being actually come into fruition in, in the real world, you know? And it's... I think the fact that the, the movie is so realistic, it, it, it's scary in that regards, and it's... I don't know, it's and, probably you know, scarier than, you know, the, the average horror movie that comes out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got real-life undertones. I mean, and this is a character that felt invisible. Nobody paid attention to him until he became the clown. The scariest uh, clown I've seen in a movie this year. Hey! Hey! <laughs> Um, let's give a quick mention to the score and the music before we wrap this up with our rating. Hildor, uh, Guenadon, I can't, no, I can't even do it. Can't do it. Let's list the credits. <laughs> Prisoners, Sicario, The Revenant, and Arrival. I'm pretty sure there's something recent in there as well. I don't think it's Chernobyl, but there's something recent this person has done. Hildor. <laughs> There's a podcast that I listen to, Score the Podcast, it's brilliant. Yeah. And the composer has been on that. And they were talking about, they worked on something recently, before Joker, that was also a bit of a big deal. But the music, I don't know if it's an album I would buy, listen to for enjoyment, but in the context of, of the, the movie, film, yes. it works brilliantly. Which but is I, where... The score should be like, yeah, with but the no, picture. no, man. Like, I can, like, no, absolutely. The Dark absolutely. Knight, Hans Zimmer, like, that yeah. is a phenomenal soundtrack. And, and the way that he approached the sound of the Joker in that is he would purposely put notes together that do not go together, so you would never put them together. Chaotic. So it's exactly right. <laughs> that was the intention. Chaos. But they're doing something different here as well. Oh, I just did a bit of fact checking. Chernobyl. That it was, was terrible. It yeah. was, yeah. That was stick- that was in my mind for some reason. Well, that reason. <laughs> it works on that. But yeah, the yeah the the score in this is just as intense and as gripping as the movie, <laughs> and unnerving. Uh, just yeah, it's 
bloody unpleasant, but in a good way. <laughs> in, a, in a really good way. It just it's it pounds at time, and it's it's a really powerful sound. And it also fits within the time setting as well. You know, it like all that, fits that yeah. late seventies, early eighties sort of time frame. Yeah, yeah. Another big tick right on the score. So let's uh, underwhelmingly rate this and uh, shock everyone yeah. <laughs> with okay. what we're going to say. So out of five, I'm going to come in at a five and say Blew me away. that this movie is, so far, for the year, it's almost over, <laughs> we're in October, it's my number one movie of the year. It's not my first five. Other fives I've given, one in particular... Not happy about it, but I'll bring that up when we get to our year yeah. in review show at the end of the year or oh, early yeah. January. Yeah, but this so again, like it's not the only five I've given this year, but it's the best film out of the fives that I've given. It is just a solid film from beginning to end. When this was first announced, and you know we talk about movie news on our movie show, both of us. Scoffed at the idea. Oh, what do we know? Joker TV series. It's like, what is the point of doing a Joker movie without Batman? Well, there is a point, and it's this movie. It is absolutely fantastic. It's, you know, I am a DC guy, but you don't need to be. Like, you could just want to go to the cinema and watch a film, see this guy spiral into madness. It is such a good movie. And again, Joaquin Phoenix, I think a lesser actor, maybe we're not praising it as much as we are today, but he absolutely nails it. Five out of five. You know, I wish, sometimes I wish I I rated first because now I have nothing to say. (laughs) Three? Three, yeah. (laughs) Um, I could be wrong, but I think I've only given out two, two fives this year. I think. I might have done a third one. I don't know. I'd have to go back. Right, hang on. We both gave us a five. Yep. And there's another one you gave a five, which I was like, oh, okay, at the time. And I've just remembered. Glass. Yes, Glass. Still liked it. Is Glass up there with Joker? We'll wait till the end of the year. We'll do our year-new show, but I'm our annual wrap-up. But, uh, sorry, um, of course a five. A five out of freaking five and... I feel like if I could visualize the like if it was like a thermometer, it would be exploding at the top, like something very sexual. I mentioned <laughs> that we both gave Jordan Peele's Oz. No, I, I thought that might have been the movie, but it's pretty rare that we're both as high and that we're giving it fives. And this movie, he just it warrants it. You know, I was showing you posts from the UK because in England, difference what they do here in Australia. They will put like star ratings and quotes from magazines all over the posters. It's different to how they do it in the US, in Australia, and we're getting magazines like Total Film, Empire Magazine, Rolling Stone. They're going through like all these top magazines, five stars, five stars, five stars, and I'm like, what is going on? Who's paying who? And then <laughs> Venice Film Festival, eight minute standing ovation. And what is it, it? The Golden won, Lion? Or whatever yeah, it's the called. Golden Lion. It won the Best Film Award, and it's like even at that point, I'm like, but surely not. Watched the movie for myself. I'm like, oh yeah, they were right. Did you want to stand up for eight minutes? <laughs> I wanted to stand for eight minutes. Um, yes, just to I guess finish or <laughs> start by rating. It was sorry, mate. It's it. Yeah, it's the it's currently 
to me the the number one movie of the year so far. Um, yeah, try and freaking change it. Whatever's covered le- like next, I don't know what what's left. Um, but at the moment, yeah, it, it's, it's honestly up there. everything you said. I agree there's nothing with. I would change, which no. is a big call. This. I know we mentioned sort of, you know, like, yes, it's based on a comic book movie. And when I talk about comic book movies, like, you know, they span different genres. There's different qualities. There's movies like Logan, The Dark Knight, you know, ones that are very much up there. Then you just got, like, big feasts of, like, magic, like Avengers Endgame, where you just, like, cry during people coming through holes in the sky. Anyway. Portals. Portals. Hey, before you continue, I saw this online yesterday. When Doctor Strange is making portals appear, tiny he wasp. makes a tiny wasp portal. Michael, look. Love what? that detail. Why, but like, just give Love it a Love that detail oh, because she's small. <laughs> it would probably less effort to make. Anyway, but what I'm trying to say is this movie, although based on a comic book property and characters, to me, yeah, I do have that cynical sort of cinephile type mind where I'm like, there is a difference in film. Like Martin Scorsese bloody said, this movie does transcend the genre, if you want to call it, of the comic book movie. It's it's if it wasn't based on you know a Batman character, if you didn't know, you wouldn't think otherwise. You know, you can watch other comic book movies and go, oh yeah. Is this based on it? Like, I'm surely that even if you didn't know, like, oh, that must be based on a comic book or something, some sort of book or literature or something. This could be based on anything, and it's it's just up there, and it's blew my mind. And I sat there feeling uncomfortable the whole way through, but just along for the crazy, insane ride. We go back to comic books. We've got Marvel Comics, DC Comics. They're the big two, and obviously Marvel Studios has been very successful mm-hmm. for a number of years, and no doubt they're going to continue to do so through the next phase. And rightly so, why not? You know, yeah. And DC have gone, hang on a minute, Justice League might not be the way to go. And they're doing something different. This is how you compete, do something different. Not the same, which is what they were trying to do. With Justice League, like, do something different. And, and this definitely, I'm hoping that this doesn't end up being a one-off as in they don't try and do this type of film again. No, I want I want this type of film, but something else. Earlier in the year, they gave us Shazam. It's part of the DCEU. Still hate that. <laughs> DC, DC, what is it? DC Extended Universe. I don't know. Yeah, this film. Love it. Love Absolutely it. love it. Five out of five, there it is. Okay, so as always, we like to close out on some trivia. I was hoping it would not be brought up, and it wasn't. <laughs> Joker is Joaquin Phoenix's first role in a comic book film. He previously turned down the title role in Doctor Strange, as well as the chance to replace Edward Norton as the Hulk in The Avengers, because he was unwilling to sign on to the multi-picture deal that Marvel Studios was requiring. So there you go. I honestly don't think this film would be this film without him. He's, I mean, yeah. You could have put him into Doctor Strange as the lead character. He'd have been okay. Yeah. But him and... I've always got like a certain level of intensity from Phoenix. And he's brought that to this film. Like a burning Phoenix. Like, it burns. He's on fire, the intensity. Like, if he did Doctor Strange and Benedict Cumberbatch... Did Joker. It's just not the movie. My brain just went somewhere. It, I think an actor 
you know, is such an important, you know, their performance, their skills. Of course, they're, you know, they're doing the heavy lifting, but I think sometimes it does come down to the materials they're given, the, you know, the avenues, the opportunity, like this, yeah, what's written there for them to do. It's, it all just worked here. He was given the right stuff. He gave what he gave and he went somewhere dark and damn. <laughs> I mean, even when he's crouched over, ripping his shoes, I'm gripped. <laughs> I'm like, you have the tear of the leather. And he's like, hunched over. He's just, whenever he's on screen, and as you said, something. it's majority of the movie. This movie was going to be, it was going to be a hit or not based on his performance. Hmm. And again, like we've said it many times over, he nailed it. But just sugarcoat that. Not to take away from his performance, but yeah, again, like just sugarcoat it with great cinematography, direction, oh, all of, it, yeah. all of the, the stylized sort of setting. Oh, beautiful. Well, that's it for our review of Joker. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Street Podcast. We also have our sister shows, Rewind and Review, and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. And all our episodes can be found on our website, thatfilmsdewpodcast.com. If you missed it, be sure to check out our recent review of Rambo Last Blood. Sounds Like Comics have a recent episode looking at the Adams Family movie from 1991, and Rewind and Review went back to 1999 to review American Pie. Warm apple pie. Wow. Our next review from that film, Stu, keeping it DC Comics, Wonder Woman, Bloodlines. Another DC animated film, always a good time. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that film, Stu. See you soon.